folks, it's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is Karen McClelland. I'm guest hosting the show today. Um, I have been a longtime Sedona resident, and I've been a school board member here in Sedona since 2002. So today we're going to talk about education here in Sedona and also other things beyond Sedona. So here on the station with me, I've got Dennis Dearden, who's our superintendent and also high school principal in Sedona, and Hunter White, who's our current youth member of our school board. He's a high school student. He's a member of our school board right now. So we'll start off with Denny just to talk a little bit about what was, what's going on this year, particularly maybe in, in the junior, uh, lower grades. And, uh. Thank you, Karen. Um, appreciate being here t- uh, today. Uh, as you know, one of our initiatives this year was to bring the sixth grade up from West Sedona to create a really uh, a middle school concept. And uh, we were able to do that um, very successfully. Uh, we communicated well with parents and so forth to prepare them for that uh, purpose. Also at West Sedona, uh, they really invigorated their uh, STEM program. They're partnering with NAU currently, and uh, there's some, uh, a lot of training that went on this summer. And uh, so they're off to a great start with with their STEM program. One of one of the cool things uh, that happened to us this year, and I think for for several reasons, I'll talk about. Over the last 12 years, you know that we have been declining uh, in enrollment for various reasons: housing shortages, price of homes, and so forth. Um, people looking at other opportunities for education, that type of thing. Um, despite COVID, and please know that we're in our third Third year of COVID already. Uh, we started in, in March of 20 uh, with a whole semester or a whole quarter off uh, with just virtual learning. Then we went into last year uh, with COVID uh, on the rise, and um, you know our teachers. Uh, did virtual and in-person learning at the same time, which is very, very difficult. And about 20% of our uh, students uh, were online the entire year, and about 80% were um, in-person. Um, so a lot of disruptions over the, over the last year. Despite that, in the housing shortage, this year we were up 75 students. And when we talked to parents coming in to our, our school, they mentioned a couple of things. One, the confidence they have in us in staying open because we're one of the few schools um, that stayed open an entire year uh, without um, – uh, taking any time off due to COVID and so forth. That wasn't easy, and we had a great staff committed to uh, our mitigation strategies, contact tracing, and keeping our staff and, and students um, healthy. So right now, we're up 75 students. We budgeted for um, minus 30 uh, students, and so to be up 75 is pretty remarkable. So we have about 492 students at uh, the six through 12th grade, uh, 18 in our Red Rock Academy, and 225 at uh, West Sedona. One of the th- challenges that we always have is recruiting teachers, 
And they always want to come to a beautiful area like Sedona. The problem is to find housing is is pretty tough for them, and especially over the last couple of years with Airbnb and so forth. Uh, but we managed to get some excellent staff this year. All of them found uh, homes. Um, over the last couple of years, we've... Um, We've been able to uh, implement some really unique programs like partnering with Yapabai College for the early college so kids really can graduate um, with a two-year degree. And you've got quite a, quite a number of freshmen for a small school every year who have chosen to do that. This yeah. is our third co- cohort, and next year we'll have our first graduating class. So How, they, how many students? We have about, there's usually about 15 in each co- cohort, yeah. and so it'll That's, be pretty remarkable. Remarkable walking across stage, they'll they'll actually have their associate degree prior to walking across stage graduating. Uh, another thing I'm really proud of, to be honest with you, is last year we stayed in school, but we were one of the few schools that had a a, a normal graduation and a prom at the end of the year. So we know that COVID is on the rise again, and so can't predict the future. So we're hoping that we can um, uh, get through this year. And uh, But I'm confident in our staff that regardless of what happens, we'll be prepared for it. Yeah, one thing I know that you've uh, uh, got a really generous donation from a community member to start this year is a before and after school program. Because I remember when my son, you know, years ago in the 90s, when he was young, and that we had very little before or after school care. You had to find it elsewhere. There were a few private organizations, a few churches that had some daycare, but very few of them focused on daycare for kids already in school, you know, to to drop your kids off early or pick them up late for working parents. And that's something new this year. I know that was a really generous donation from a community member with the understanding that now if we do it for a year, we will find other donors to continue. Yeah, I was approached last spring uh, by some community members, business members, that about starting a a, what we're calling a wildcat program before and after uh, school pro kids program. Um, We've already we've always had a a pretty rigorous um, and uh, good after school program from 2:45 to 4, and we even provide transportation. This year, there's about 80 kids involved in that. But what they were talking about is a before school starting at 6:30 till um, a time for school to start, and then after school from 4 to 6. Um, so. Any new program is costly. So we had uh, Basil and Mimi Mayer uh, uh, step up from uh, the village. They have three children in our uh, in West Sedona school and gave us the first year funding with the idea that uh, funding would continue from the community or um, uh, with grants. So we're looking at grants. We're looking at fundraisers, that type of thing. Uh, we're going to have a meeting this Thursday to discuss where we're at right now with it. But it's a, it's a program I think will help the community. Um, and many of the things we we do, we try to to partner with the community and so forth to to um, get as many benefits as we can. And I know the one thing with this year sort of being back in school again after the COVID is the chance to resume some of the opportunities for community members to volunteer. Last year we were open, but there was basically no one on the campus who yeah. was not a paid staff member. But this year with the before and after school programs, some of the other programs, 
you know, there's another chance for community members who have in the past volunteered. We've had people working in literacy. We've had people at the high school, you know, working with different mm-hmm. things. We have people in the, with computers at West Sedona School in the past. So if the community has got an interest in things, is it this now the time to maybe contact you and let them talk about what they might be willing to do if you've got people who want to com- volunteer on an ongoing basis? Yes, uh, yeah. please contact the, the school, myself personally, or Dina DeWitt. Uh, what we try to do is match their skill set mm-hmm. with what they really want to do because yeah. there's no more, n- nothing more frustrating to be in a situation where you're put into a, uh, a situation where you don't really want to be. And so we try to do a good job of matching those skill sets. I, this is a wonderful community with uh, a lot of retired people that have a, uh, a real skill set that want to help students. And so we appreciate yeah. that that, yeah. that effort. But just a chance to let people know that the, this this year it is possible if you're interested. So there's people who have helped in the past, and you want to please, you know please be sure to you know contact the high school, contact West Sedona School, let them know that you'd like to be able to help, and then they can see if there's something yeah, and the one thing something we, that we can fit in. We I know even the even some of the community sponsored clubs. Last year didn't do as much. You know, there's things that the Rotary Club has done a lot of things to students. The the Kiwanis, you know, other other program those uh, you know, the local clubs that have done things right. in the schools. And this is now getting a chance for them to get back up and do this. You know, help us again the way they have because they've had huge support from those groups in the past. Yeah. One thing else I'd like to, to mention, which has been really remarkable here in, in uh, Sedona, is two years ago we started the Sedona Education Foundation. And we've always uh, been very blessed with our community stepping up for scholarships for kids. We're very unique in that way. A lot of our kids get uh, scholarships to go to college. Uh, but we started uh, the Sedona Education Foundation, and in two years, a little over two years, we've raised $1.1 million, which is pretty rare. In and a, that's all been basically, very, that's been local donations from those individuals. Are local, right. You know, very, all, you know, yeah. And so I'm, I'm very proud of that, and it, it goes to benefit kids. So uh, our community does a great job stepping up for, for our, um, our kids in our school district. And then more at just the high school, and Hunter, you want to give your viewpoint on what's going on at the high school and what you think is great about it or what you think we would – other yeah. new things. I know you've got some new things you'd like to try. Yeah, absolutely. And some ideas. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm a junior at the high school over here in Sedona, um, and I can certainly say that you know a lot of the programs that our district has been working on recently that Karen and uh, Mr. Dearden were talking about uh, really have had a lot of success. They've been you know sort of splash hits, mm-hmm. and we've really um, – We've really been doing quite well just from that perspective of getting our community involved. And we, we, need, we do need to continue to have that uh, increase in community involvement for all of the people who are listening. Um, but what's really valuable the most, of course, is the fact that Mr. Dearden and uh, Karen here you know, are board members. And they, you know, Mr. Dearden's our superintendent, and their job is to serve you know, the students. And as a student myself, who's also decided to take up some leadership roles to sort of represent my peers, um, you know, the culture change that we've had at our school has definitely been pretty pretty noticeable the past few years, which is I think we've – our sense of camaraderie and friendship has certainly gone up. And I think that, um, you know, there's some difficulties with new enrollments. Having, you know, close to 80 new people is certainly difficult from time to time. And I think that um, because of that, me and several of my peers have started some groups – are starting a, 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 a large group that will involve our sort of big three clubs at our school, which is uh, our key and intergra- interact clubs, which are involved with the Rotary as well as the uh, National Honor Society, as well as our uh, our student assembly here. 
uh, which is called the Legacy Program, where we're going to be working with any new students who are willing, uh, budding them up with juniors and seniors so that they can work together and making sure that they understand our culture because we really want to have a continuation of what we've been building here. And we want to make sure that once we graduate and those kids that we've been mentoring have a chance to mentor the next generation, that we can continue that cultural education as well as provide tutoring services and also working with students who might not speak English, uh, pairing them up with students who are bilingual or multilingual and making sure that they have equal opportunities just like us. Um, that's really crucial to, to a small district like this. Um, as well as the fact that uh, Mr. Dearden and, and the board have provided so many opportunities for students to really step up, including myself. Um, a student board position has never been done in this district. Mm. Um, it's, it's a rarity as is, but the ability to uh, represent the people that I, that I you know, love and care for in and, and my school and that I can also um, represent their interests and their needs in a professional way that's really not just instead of you know, some students sort of rah-rahing at the district, we can actually go and say, these are some concrete issues that we'd like to work on and that we'd like to improve. Here's how we can do it. Um, having that opportunity is, that is a key to success for any district, is student representation, student leadership. You're tutoring a sort of peer-to-peer program. Are you thinking about expanding that down in, into the middle school and the high school? Yes. Sort of combinations of, of high school and students help, helping to tutor or yes, we are. middle school students? And, yes. Yeah. So we're, we're planning on starting with the high school because we have, a, a, um, we have about 20 to 30 volunteers right now who are mm-hmm. interested in participating. But we, we really do need to improve and expand. Um, so we're starting from, you know, sort of ground up, basically. And we're, we're going to start with ninth and 10th graders and then move down through the middle school eventually. Um, but that is, that is really something that we really want to work on, is making sure that, you know, culture is such an important part of any school, especially in a small district like this, um, you know, where everyone really does know each other. And it's really important that we mm-hmm. sort of hammer home this idea that, you know, we're a team, we're a family, we're... We're all in this, you know, for the same purpose, which is we're all trying to get better and be successful. And I think making sure that, uh, you know, younger students and freshmen really understand that, you know, upperclassmen are not, you know, these big, scary people, but that we're, we're here to help them. And we're here to make sure that they succeed just like we've succeeded. Um, so that's, that's crucial. And going back to sort of student leadership, um, I've, I've been given several opportunities here that I, I doubt that I would have had at a larger district. Uh, which is being able to have personal connections with board members as well as our superintendent, um, you know, has gotten me opportunities that I think, as I said, would would not be as likely if I was in a school of two to three thousand people, um, in a district of you know fifty or sixty thousand in a larger city. And to blow Hunter's horn, as he may not blow himself, Hunter has <laughs> also applied for and is on some statewide advisory committees yeah. as well. You want to talk a little bit about the yeah, committees was, that you're? I was planning. I don't know if you had a chance of, to have meetings for those yet. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I was sort of going to segue yeah. into that, yeah. but um, I'm part of this, the advisory boards for both the governor of Arizona and the office of uh, youth, family, and faith, as well as the uh, the student advisory council for the superintendent of public instruction. So my primary goal is, you know, it's, it's definitely dominated by big cities, you know, Phoenix and Tucson. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that. But um, I think a lot of students up here in northern Arizona particularly feel that they might not have the opportunity to really represent themselves and their interests. So I'm incredibly honored and privileged to be able to do that for mm-hmm. not just Sedona, but for Flagstaff, mm-hmm. for um you know, the Navajo Reservation for Page, for Lake Havasu, for all these, you know, sort of cities that might uh, might be overlooked. 
um, you know, in counties and, you know, even little towns that that, that would be overlooked otherwise. Um, being able to represent the interests of their students and ensure that on a statewide level we're, we're represented is really, um, I mean, it, I'm completely honored to be doing that, you know, this young. One of the things I've always um, admired about Hunter is his tenacity about getting things done, his organizational skills. But more than that, you know, it's easy to put somebody on a board seat as a student and it's easy to whine about all the things that you don't have or or things that you think are wrong. Uh, Hunter's one of these people that always comes up with solutions. He identifies things that need to be improved. We work together to to try to solve those issues. And when he presents a plan, it's very detailed, well thought out, and you get really excited. And that was what happened on last week when he introduced his concept of the legacy program and, and helping mentor um, our um, younger kids and new kids in the schools. So I appreciate that. Well, that's one thing that's always impressed me in all the years I've been involved. My son started school here in the district in the early 90s. You know, I was on the high school site council in the, in the late 90s. And is the pushing the high school, the number of students that have that desire to get involved and do things over many different things over the years, some of them organized by teachers mm-hmm. with various clubs and programs that were problem-solving programs, other programs that high school students have just come up with themselves, you know, sparked by something in a class. I remember, you know, some years ago, uh, some uh, world history class, some sparked and a bunch of the students organized an art auction and raised, raised money for, uh, the, for the Congo during their civil war. And it mm-hmm. just always inspired me that the number of students who've been involved in that sort of, of giving something back to the community, either locally or, na- or nationally or internationally. Absolutely. And that you know, we've always had teachers and people who've, in- who've encouraged that. And yeah. I'm just glad to see that that's Absolutely. continuing and, and expanding. Yeah, and I, I mean, I can't take all the credit for myself because I, you know, I consider myself to be a good leader, but I also believe that, uh, you know, I believe it was Dwight D. Eisenhower who had a phrase which is, uh, good leaders are the kind of people who surround themselves with really smart, really talented people. Um, and I would be lying if I said, you know, I didn't have a group of really talented, really smart, great people around me who I, you know, I go to, whether it be my parents or Mr. Dearden or the board, but also, you know, my friends and the people that I'm close to at school where I can say, like, hey, I've got this idea. How do we get this off the ground? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, myself and sort of our co-founder of this club, who's a senior named Breezy Taylor, um, she and I sort of had s- somewhat of a similar idea. I presented the Legacy Club initially to Mr. Dearden probably about a month ago. Um, but she had an idea for a Spanish language tutoring program. And we decided, you know, let's let's put this together and let's make this a, a really large, you know, sort of uh, expansive program for all of our students at the school. Um, so being able to work with people like that who also have initiative um, is once again, you know, an example of something in a small district mm-hmm. where you might not be able to connect with people like that in a larger district. Um, you know, you might not have any idea that two of you might have had pretty similar to, you know, the same idea, and you might never have been able to put that program into production. So that's um, that's really sp- another special thing about here. Well, and the reality, uh, why it's so important is the demographic has changed uh, dramatically here in the last yes. 15 years. So yep. we're we're about 65% Hispanic, and some of those students are non-English language um, uh, learners right now. So uh, what we want to do is to help those. Those are great kids that just need some additional help, uh, especially with language. And this is an opportunity for our own students to take responsibility for that. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And, and we know when students initiate programs like this, working with other students, you know, they tend to be very, very successful because that's a different, you know, that's right. the students have an automatic sort of buy-in among their peers. Exactly. And the younger kids, if they, especially if you've got older kids and younger kids working together, that makes an immediate connection. And exactly. those programs tend to work really well because it's, you know, you know, the demographic issue is something we've struggled with over the years. Yeah, Because yeah, the community absolutely. has changed a lot and it's, you know, yeah. and it's, it's always been an issue. But, and then that issue to involve like the parents and the students well, and with so, limited English into the programs of the school. So having things start absolutely. from the so students from the ground up right. expands and that it yeah. expands upward to involve their parents eventually. And, in their, and it's not know. a problem at all at that school, but it, it's definitely, it's, you know, it's, it's like, a challenge. <laughs> well, here's the thing is that I believe, you know, that there's. There's so many hardworking people from all backgrounds mm-hmm. at our school who really want to succeed. And, you know, I've talked to people who, you know, when they came to the school initially, you know, they, they speak English now, but when they came initially, they were extremely overwhelmed and had no idea what was going on. They really wanted to learn and wanted to be successful, but they didn't have an opportunity to because they couldn't speak the language. Um, and after a year, of course, they're, they're successful now, but initially they had a really hard time. So I think um, sort of cushioning those sort of blows for new people um, is really what our objective is. We want to make sure that they can have an immediate connection with our student body and know that we're here for them. Um, because it's one thing for our district and for our community to be providing services, but it's another entirely for peers to be helping peers, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that... Um Hunter uh, has done is he's come up. This is not the only great idea he, he came up with. Uh, as you recall, the very first board meeting, he said, because of COVID uh, and what it's done to the mental health of kids, we need somebody that really works um, full time with some of those emotionally learning uh, problems that kids are having, and and it has taken a toll on uh, on students. Um, we see that every day, and. Unfortunately, it's not ending. So, you know, one of the things I'm very proud of our school about is that we have not let COVID slow us down. We've continued to uh, create and implement new programs uh, despite the fact that we have been uh, affected by, by COVID, and we'll continue to do that. Yeah, that was one thing. I mean, all of us on the the board agreed with, with Hunter when he brought the idea forward, and we're really glad mm-hmm. that we were able to find yeah. somebody to work with that full time to work with the students and also to work with the parents on the issues that COVID has brought. So we have to have someone who can specialize and has a background in in working with parenting skills for parents regarding their students in school and try mm-hmm. to bring the families and the students and everyone together to, to work on all these issues so people don't feel so sort of left out and isolated. You know, a lot of people over the last year, year and a half have really felt isolated because they, you know, they spend a lot of time by themselves, of course, both parents and students, yeah. that, to bring that sense of community back and including the right. parents. And, and how do you help your kids if they're in yeah. those situations? Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. you know, I remember the argument that I made for having um, a dedicated, you know, sort of mental wellness uh, counselor, you know, a staffer here at the school. Um, is that we don't want people to fall through the the, tra- uh, the cracks, excuse me, um, you know, which is we, you know, we recognize that there are a lot of people in this district who, who might really suffer. Um, and we want to ensure that they can, you know, still have a degree of success that they, you know, they can really push. They can um, have the same opportunities that we do. And ensuring that we have a mental health or, you know, as we like to say, a mental wellness uh, counselor at our school and just making sure that, you know, kids understand that it's, um, 
you know, you can just go talk to somebody and it doesn't, ha- you don't have to uh, talk to anybody else about it. It can just okay. be, if you need to get something off your chest, you can just go and, uh, you know, get it out there and then you're, you know, you're basically good for the rest of your day. I mean, you know, I I haven't actually talked to our counselor yet, but I know that it's, it's helpful for me at least. Well, know, and she's bilingual to too, which but, really yeah. helps. Um, and this this doesn't just apply to students; it applies to our adults, our teachers, yeah. uh, well, she our did support speak staff. At the one one meeting about her background on working with parenting right. skills and working with parent programs, which is again something we haven't had, you know, to a, you know as a dedicated yeah. person in the past. And and in this community, we know that's a big issue because you know COVID aside, you got a lot of parents in this community working multiple jobs jobs you know, to be able to live here because they want to be here mm-hmm. you know, for their kids and they want to be here for various reasons and, and it's a you know, real asset to have someone who can start to work, reach out and, and maybe create some programs to help parents. You know, yeah. One of the, as you know, several years ago we restructured uh, the district and I felt that it was important um, to downsize some of our administrative positions to save money. We were able to balance uh, the budget uh, and we have a fairly healthy reserve right now. Um, but one of the things that has blessed me was to take on the responsibility of a dual role of superintendent and principal because it brought me closer to staff. It brought me closer on a daily basis to kids, which I really enjoy. And I also I always wonder, would I have had that connection with a hunter had I just remained superintendent um i think we'd have had a connection but not like the connection mm-hmm. we have now in terms of partnering and and some of these uh initiatives that we think are so important yeah, absolutely but the thing we've heard from former superintendents and i know from others i know that's the, usually the thing they regret most you know, however much yeah. they want to you know make that policy and and work at the district mm-hmm. level is that day-to-day connection with yeah. students yeah because you know, nobody goes into you know education administration without and they don't lose that right. just because you changed your job title so and yeah. having been in this district for mm-hmm. i think close to 10 years of my life now <laughs> um i mean i can tell you the previous superintendent i, I maybe saw him once or twice mm-hmm. in my whole time being there Maybe saw him once or twice. He didn't know who I was. He might have just given me a high five when I was like seven or something like that, you know. (laughs) Um, But I think having, you know, a a dual superintendent principal role, especially in a high school like this, and I feel like I'm sort of um, like a broken record when I talk (laughs) about having a small district, but it it does go to show, which is that I think that a lot of people with good ideas, a lot of students or a lot of students who might be struggling, the ability to just say, hey, I need to go meet with Mr. Dearden and, you know, talk to him about Mm -hmm. some issues. The ability to do that is, um, A, it's a huge turnaround from what we had previously, um, which, in my opinion, is mind-blowing that we were able to get that done since, you know, maybe 2017, 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, And that short amount of time to have a complete culture shift here is really incredible. But I think it goes to show, you know, the leadership style of of Mr. Dearden and being willing to take on two different jobs at once. Uh, but also, you know, sort of have a, you know, his ear to the ground with mm-hmm. the students, but also be a superintendent and working with members of our community and making sure that he can oversee district operations. Someone like that is absolutely what our school needed. The, pro- uh, the problem it's with a jolt um, of energy, really. I, I get a lot of comments from people. Well, you know, that made a lot of sense because really they're the same job. <laughs> they're 
totally different jobs. <laughs> Which is why so totally many superintendents get buried because they, you know, yeah. given the bureau- yeah. bureaucratic nature of some of these things, right. people, superintendents can get sort of buried in the policy and the and yeah. the paperwork and yeah. not get out. And principals in, in bigger schools have the same issues. That's the one advantage. And we've also been been lucky, you know, besides in this district, that in having a lot of other people on our administrative staff and principals with multiple skill sets. Oh, they're very. So everyone has stepped up, and we've been yeah. able to create. A lot, you know, they've all stepped up to do a job and a half or two jobs in the last few years. We've, you know, pushed on the board to expand a little bit, adding the extra counseling position. Mm-hmm. We've talked about maybe expanding a little bit more in some of the administrative assistant type help, you know, because we cut back now that, you know, so far that, you know, it's, it's you can't expect everyone to do two jobs forever. But we've no, been really I- lucky in, in the rest of the staff at the administrative level. And not only that, our teachers, lots of them who stepped up to do yeah. a lot of extra, particularly in this last year with COVID and things where they were all sort of doing double duty with a camera in their classroom with students at home and students in front of them. And as far as I can see, our students on both learned things last year. It may have it may have been exhausting for the teachers, but they did a phenomenal job in delivering simultaneous you know, work for both or two separate groups of students. Yeah, it was very, very difficult uh, year. But we have, going back to what you you said, Karen, we have a great team, and that's what makes it work. Uh, Nobody cares who gets the credit. Uh, I often say at board meetings, you hear me say what an incredible team we have. Um, And there's power in that um, because we we work so well together. And and I think we have a common denominator in that we really believe that uh, what's best for students is what we work for in this this profession yeah because we all know that we've you know, what the other other issues we have around here we may have currently have all our teachers has we have we know we've lost good candidates we've offered teaching jobs to we know of families who've left because of the housing issues and financial issues you know that's you know good good paying jobs have always been hard to find in sedona housing has always been expensive but it's gotten you know exponentially different in the last few years as many even even harder and that's contributed to the fact that where school district is maybe half the size it was at a, at a peak around 2005 mm-hmm. 2006 and a lot of that is both the housing for families and just jobs that are available in the area and a change of you know a change of things that's been a real a real issue every year that we you know, it was so nice as a board member to start out this year and talk about the budget rather than starting out by having the superintendent center and say well we need to cut x this year to actually say hey you know we, we don't need to cut we're sort of stable and now to find out that we have an increase in students so we may actually have the luxury of saying okay we have a little bit more money what can we add right. to make this the you know, district even better what can we add for the students rather than sort of saying you know what can we cut you know which is you know what who can we ask to do two jobs maybe now yeah. some of those people can do one job maybe we can add extra programs for because for the first year we had to do that like around 2009 2010 it was really depressing to actually in that year we actually talked about um, riffing teachers and actually letting teachers go it turned out we didn't need to but we were looking at the financial situation and looking at the teachers and thinking which well, we may just have to figure a way to see who do we let go yeah. that we want to keep and we've not didn't quite come to that but this has been a you know, change that makes a, a real difference that we sort of hit a point and 
are heading upward to to add new programs because that's that's what we all want. That's why you join the school board because you want to add things, you want to do things, you want to you know, be able to say, hey, my district does this wonderful program, and, and we do a lot of things here that that uh, bigger districts don't and struggle to do. And as as Hunter said, some of the things we do here come organically from the students. I have friends on big boards like the Phoenix Union School Board. And they've created programs to try to involve students. But most of those are things the school board or the principal has created to try to involve students in the governance of the district and the governance of the school. You know, we all know they have the same number of students down there who would do it on their own, but the size means that they don't have that, that chance to come up and say, hey, I want to try this. Mm-hmm. So I think we've got a real advantage that any student in, in recognizing that, that students at all grade levels, and then we've got programs in the middle school about leadership. We've got a yeah. teacher with a specific program to work with those students yeah. on developing leadership qualities. So when they get to high school, they'll be, they won't be afraid to stand up and say, this is what we need to do for us or for the world. Which is, well, it starts, it starts yeah, with exactly. uh, yeah. good leadership, but also you have to have a great board. I have been blessed over the last four years with uh, me coming here to have a great board uh, that work really well together. We communicate well together. And because I, I've been around a long time, and I know that a dysfunctional board, you have a dysfunctional district. And um, working together is real key. I, I, I think that um, we model that every day. And I think students see that. Um, and we're blessed to have a hunter on there. I think, you know, with all the things he's doing and the talent that he possesses, We'll probably be sitting interviewing uh, the governor at some point. And <laughs> say, governor White here. <laughs> yeah. And it all started in Sedona, so we're yeah. excited about that. Well, and, and the things that Hunter's doing on the statewide level make a difference because I've been on the school board a long time. I'm a member of the board of directors of the State School Board Association and have realized that however great your own individual district can be, we can't really do things for the future unless every district has opportunities. Every district has the same sort of opportunities for all the kids. You know, is able to give kids the chance to to experiment with what they want to learn and grow. A lot of it comes down to statewide funding. So it's great to have Hunter there on looking at some of these things because we know the bottom line has always been funding in this state. Absolutely. To yeah. do to do yeah. all the programs and and it's it's you know great to have students expressing those things yeah. out there because the the public listens to students. Absolutely. Our legislators listen to students differently than they listen to me if I go down there. So with people like Hunter and things in the future and maybe next year when the legislature has a more normal season, I'll bring Hunter down with me to, <laughs> to go and talk to some of these people who, who don't really understand. You know, that's been an issue in, in Arizona for a long time is, is I think we understand it here. I think our community here really understands that if you're spending money in education, is an investment. It's not an, it goes on the investment side of your ledger, not the expense side. That every dollar you spend comes back multiple times later in the future on creating students who are going to be involved in the community, improve the community, are going to have jobs that pay taxes, and all of these things. So it's you know that makes a real. It's always been an ongoing ongoing issue to try to talk about those sort of global. You know, state, statewide issues on here, and we've, you know, yeah, I know Denny's been very involved in, in you yeah. know, a lot of his time and career in those sort of uh, national and statewide issues. And, an, and as you can agree, it's an yeah. ongoing issue of explaining what public education really is and what it does and why it's. I've been pretty so blessed important. in my yeah. career and being mm-hmm. some of the biggest, uh, most prestigious school districts in the country. 
But I can tell you, being in Sedona with uh, 735 has been a highlight of my life. I, I've, um, I'm real proud of what we've done here and, and continue to do, and despite the many challenges we have. Um, I don't think I've worked any harder uh, in a in a my career, mm-hmm. and also, uh, I think every superintendent in the country would tell you these last two years have been the most difficult and challenging in their careers. So, um, despite that, we do it for our kids. We're excited to to be here, and you know, everybody expects me as a superintendent to talk good things about our um, <laughs> our, our district. But when a hunter can go out there. Uh, and talk from his heart about the value of education in Sedona public schools. Uh, it goes a lot further. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes, it makes a big difference. And actually, our school district in, in Arizona is probably more representative size-wise than mm-hmm. things are. People all think of uh, Phoenix you know, Maricopa County, but the majority of school districts in Arizona, the majority of the districts are small districts yeah. with probably less than a thousand students, some with only a couple hundred students or less. While the you know the, the biggest districts, I mean, there are districts in Phoenix with tens of thousands of students, so the majority of students may be in that, but the majority of districts. So the majority of our, a lot of our students are in those small rural districts, and it's always nice that people forget that it's just because you're a small rural district, you can do phenomenal things with your kids and with your students and with your community, and we all want to create things in the rural Arizona that those, you know, graduate students with the desire to do things and hopefully the desire to stay in Arizona and put their talents to work for all of us and create a creating you know things as jobs and and want those who want and in Sedona we've been lucky over the years we have te- we have teachers in our district who grew up in our school district yeah. and went here you know and some of them are their parents are even teachers here in our district so we've always had you know real students who want to come back and I know a lot of students in rural Arizona don't necessarily want to leave but they feel they they have to so it's when I was um, associate executive director at ASA for through three years. Which is ASA, so people know that. Uh, oh, the uh, Superintendent Association yeah. um, uh, that has the umbrella of all the all the states. Um, and I had an opportunity to work with the 14,860 superintendents <laughs> at that, that time. Not every one of them, but um, but we, we over, had oversight uh, of those superintendents. And one of the things that uh, I was reminded is that 80%, you mentioned that, of of school districts around the country, not just in Arizona, are rural districts or smaller districts. And oftentimes we we talk about the real big, um, the Miami-Dades and the Houstons and the Dallases and, and Fairfax counties, those, those type of things. And the reality is 80% of them are small districts like this. Yeah, it's unique, unique challenges and unique, unique uh, ideas and things that we need to do. And it's just a matter of reminding people that you know, we don't want to leave. You know, we talk about you know leaving no child left behind, and and, and everybody would agree with that. Not necessarily the, the law, but with the the idea. And we tend you know, to you know, to realize that, that you know, Arizona, particular, is very different. That we need to look at the the demography of Arizona varies a lot place by place. And we've still got, on a statewide basis, a lot of challenges. We've done really well in Sedona with all the students, with encouraging them to learn, keeping them in school, helping them to graduate. But that's still a major, a major issue in a lot of parts of Arizona is, is getting students to, you know, to graduate from high school. 
and then let alone getting the students again with the sort of political idea to make it possible for them to continue education, you know, to continue because even community college costs money these days. And didn't you say that there's a chance here for our students to go to Yavapai College without paying tuition Absolutely. after graduation? Absolutely. If they graduate from uh, mm-hmm. Sedona uh, or any of the area schools, schools, you can go absolutely free uh, through their Yavapai Promise uh, for two years. Yeah, which is you know, phenomenal. I know here again that involves maybe you know, moving, you know, commuting to Prescott or living in. But Yavapai College, while we may not have a lot of programs in Sedona, has a lot of programs in in uh, in Prescott for those next couple of years because we've all looked at things over the years and all you know year after year that most students will require some kind of post high school to get a decent job. You can't graduate from high school and get a good job anymore. You're going to need to do to get some kind of a specific skill. If you don't want to go to university, you may not need two years of skill, but you need to go beyond. And I know Yavapai College here in, in Prescott or in Sedona or Cottonwood <laughs> has expanded some of its programs this coming year on adding some programs for students who, you know, trade programs, vocational programs, you know, programs and things we, we really need. I know we've looked here, we've expanded our programs for high school students in the Verde Valley and some of those programs looking at, you know, the director of our local VAC, the Joint Technological and, and Career District has looked at what does the area need, has expanded programs for high school students now who can get programs in HVAC, can get programs in cons- you know, construction can graduate, you know, fire science. Yeah. You know, so we've got a new program is engineering yeah. that they started yeah. this year. We have a couple yeah. in, in engineering. Yeah. I'm actually taking fire science next year. You know, wow. but, yeah, but I think it's it's important. You know, a person like myself, I'm, I have the privilege of, you know, I'm going to go to a four-year university, but a lot of people that I know either don't want to go to a four-year university or they don't have the funds to. So I think ensuring that we have, um, you know, low-cost either vocational or community college education, especially here, uh, working with Yavapai College um, is really the big, mm-hmm. one of the biggest issues that we have around here right now is ensuring that you know, we can provide jobs for a lot of new people who are going to be on the market you know, after high school, uh, making sure they have the skills necessary to do you know, great things for this yep. town and for our state. And anybody who's you know, recently in this summer with the heat called up to ask for someone to repair their air conditioner and has been told, we'll be glad to. You know, we'll be out two weeks from Tuesday. And, and, the, and you know, with an, an older community age in Sedona, the average in Sedona is like 61, the medium age. is you. And, of course, the COVID last year, almost everyone has realized that you wait a long time in your doctor's offices for things. There's a real need in mm-hmm. This area in all of rural Arizona for those, you know, plumbing, electrical, construction skills, also for all of those things related in the medical field. So having students, we have a sports medicine program, mm-hmm. which would give students a push. Maybe they're interested in physical therapy. And we all know that, that in this area that there are good jobs available in all of those related medical fields. Nursing assistants, techno- technicians of different kinds. Like I said, physical therapy. I, you know, I don't hardly know anybody who's retired who hasn't been involved with physical therapy due to some issue at some point. So it's, you know, there, there's yeah. some, and so having those ability, uh, chances in the area, even while some are offered in our high school, some may involve students traveling to Camp Verde or Dominguez for part of the day to take those programs. But having those programs available Very important. here has made a real big difference because we know that for those students who haven't, like Hunter, decided and have the financial ability to consider four-year colleges without having to worry specifically about you know, finding lots and lots of money, to, to know that there's something for those students because those career programs we know keeps kids in school 
just like the other programs which we now have at all our schools, which we cut back some years ago and lots of schools have, like art, art and music, and other things mm-hmm. like that. So we, okay, it looks like we're almost out of time. So um, I do want to say just a few things that the, uh, there, if you are in, interested, there are several um, things that have come that are involved this year with, with the champs to repeal some of the laws passed last year to do with education funding. If you're interested about that, you can stop by the Democrats at the Red Rocks office or call us. We can tell you about those things to get the, the ch- voters a chance to vote on some financial issues on the next election. Um, also want to be sure we thank the people who have been supporting you know, Democratic perspective, the Democrats of the Red Rocks, Steve Segner, and other community members who supported us over the years. And if you want to get involved in the school district, please um, give Dennis Dearden a call, give Aaron Coleman at West Sedona a call. There's lots of opportunities we can do to get people in the community involved in lots of ways. Yeah. So there's a, and I want to specifically thank Hunter and Dennis for coming today and you heard Hunter here today and you'll be hearing more from him we've all de- we have he may not have decided we've all decided that for him that we will be hearing more from him in, in the future yeah I will <laughs> see you all around yes. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. well we appreciate all you do yeah so, uh, thank you everybody yeah. thank you we got a few uh, just another couple of seconds um, so please check this program if you can tell your friends if they missed it live you can download this from the Verde Valley Independent Democrats from their website all all of our past programs are there. There's a lot of programs on local issues. We've had the county recorder on recently. Lots of other local people, national people. So please be sure to check on those and let us, you know, look, download them. Let us know. And uh, we're, we're glad. If you want to support us financially, we're also glad of that. You can go to our website and there's information there to give us a chance to do that as well. Thank you very much. And that's all for today. You've been listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.